0: The Mac Observers Mac Geek App, episode 830 for Monday, August 24th, 2020.
1: Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observers Mac Geekab, the show. Where you send in your tips, your questions, your cool stuff found, and we share all of your tips, your questions, and cool stuff found with the goal being that each and every one of us learns at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include... By Raycon.com slash MGG, Burrow.com slash MGG, VarsityTutors.com slash MGG, and MintMobile.com slash MGG. We'll tell you why we'd like you to visit all of those URLs in a short bit here. But for now, here, back here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton.
0: And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, somewhat sweltering, but not quite, but eh, muggy. It's kind of <laughs> gross. This is John Efron. How are you doing, Mr. T- Mr. John Efron today?
1: Mr. Today? Good. Are day. you Mr. Today?
0: I don't know. I'm Mr. Tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> At least when you hear this, I'm Mr. Tomorrow. That's right. I don't, I don't right. even know what I'm talking about okay. here. So, um, So, yeah. So I guess you, uh, yeah, you're, you're back, Dave. So you, uh, you you traveled. So I did. Should we just dive right in with, uh, what I, what I think I see are some travel related quick tips?
1: Sure. Yeah. I was in Portland, Oregon, dropping my son off at, uh, actually at Reed college, uh, where, where he is a freshman in computer science. Apple fans will know that that's actually the same place that Steve jobs went for, uh, I guess he only attended for a semester but it worked out for him. So
0: I'm hoping it works out uh, equally as well for my son. So And I believe one of our friends from de- from the early days, the the modem BBS days uh, also attended Reed. He did. So, uh, That's right. Yeah, I didn't get to see any of our friends while
1: we were out there because of uh you know, COVID yeah. and all that, but um yeah, I got to experience what it was like traveling on a on a plane. We flew Alaska uh, so things were very masked and very distanced and middle mm-hmm. r- middle seats and all the rows were empty and all of that stuff. So felt as uh, quite honestly, yeah. in in the airplane, I felt quite safe, you know, getting to and from the plane. I think that's where the risk the biggest risk is, is, you know, the crowds in airports. But they were much less than
0: you. Well, yeah. How, how did um, uh, not that we're a travel show? But no, I'm curious. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, how did how did TSA Uh, accommodate your needs. Uh, I know you got pre-check, so I don't know if you just wished right through. uh. I just wished right
1: through. On the way out, um, it was interesting. This was the first time that pre-check didn't happen for everybody on my itinerary, so I was the only one to get pre-check, but Lisa and and Lucas both uh, had to go through the regular one. And they... I think Lisa even got, you know, flagged for some kind of a pat down, but they, they were very, you know, masked and gloved and changing gloves and like all of that stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we, we know that we made it out safely because, uh, my son's, uh, upon arrival COVID test at school was, uh, was negative. So we feel like if, if he made it, we all did, um, That may not be the case, of course, but it sure seems like it. And then both Lisa and I have rapid tests scheduled for tomorrow morning so that we are free to move about the state uh, without waiting our 14 days and all that stuff. So, Right. 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 Yeah. So and I. Yeah. So but it is weird traveling um, at this point in time. We wound up, you know, we were in Portland, but we didn't do a whole lot in the city because cities aren't. At least for us, not the most comfortable places right now because it's high people density and, you know, we feel like it's best to just avoid people in general, especially when we're visitors. Um, So we wound up going um, to a lot of things around the city. Portland has lots of things within about an hour and a half of there. You can get out to the coast. You can get to – what they call the Fruit Loop, which is sort of like wine country and mountains. And we did a lot of hikes and things like that. But one thing that I I did and found very, very useful is our first quick tip, Mr. Braun. And that is um, Google Maps is the only mapping app that I know of. I don't think Apple Maps does this. I don't think Waze does this. Maybe there's another one. Maybe you folks can tell us. Feedback at uh but, uh, but with Google Maps, you can tell it to specifically save offline maps for your use when, or to download maps to use offline. And it will do it sort of automatically, which I think most mapping apps will do. But with Google Maps, you can go into the offline maps right in the little hamburger menu there of the settings. And uh, and you can even define, you can say, add your own offline map. So I took the entire state of Oregon and and like the Southern little sliver of, of Washington. And had it download those. And I will tell you, it paid off huge a few times because we were out in you know the middle of, of somewhere and it was like, all right, well, we just finished hiking. So let's get in the car and drive back to our Airbnb. And Waze was like, yeah, I don't have a signal, so I don't know what to tell you. It was like, oh, launch Google Maps. And it was like, yeah, I got you. It's like, I don't have traffic information, but I can tell you how to get home. It was like that's all we need. If we're here where there's no service, chances are there's also no traffic. And and it would pick up the traffic data, you know, eventually, like once we got rolling. So highly recommend that. In fact, I recommend doing this. It it seems like Google Maps will will keep that data for a year before it decides it's too old and it simply shouldn't be using it anymore. So I recommend going, saving your home state or you know, the areas around where Either you live or if you are traveling, wherever you travel frequently, just to have them there for that moment when it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, no signal. Uh, You don't know how to get out of here. So Google Maps, offline maps. Quick tip.
0: Okay. But you have to explicitly select this option in one of the menus for it to. I mean, from what you said, so it sounds like, I mean, if you bring up a map of where you're going, it'll probably cache it. Correct. What you're saying is you'd. You want to explicitly say, store this offline and then it will.
1: Th- that's right. Yeah. If you sure go, if you tap on reserve it, yeah. If you, in Google maps, if you tap on your, um, your picture, that sort of brings up the, the settings, your picture to the right of the search bar. So Google maps, go tap on your little picture and then there's a thing for offline maps and it'll show all of the maps that you have downloaded. And when they, oh, nice. um, you know, when they expire, but you can choose, select your own map, and then um, that allows you to sort of define, you know, an area and you can just like, you know, choose an area and then you hit download and off it goes. So, okay. yeah, I, it, it's super handy. And you can name them, too. I, I realized I had done this for some previous trips and at one of them I'm looking at. Them, I'm like, what the heck map is this? And so I had to, like, go to it and zoom out. And I'm like, oh, that's Cancun. OK, right. I thought about saving. OK, so then I named it so that I would know what it was in my thing and I can just tell it to re-download if I were to say plan to travel to Cancun but I don't have any plans I I I don't I traveled I believe we were successful <laughs> well no more tomorrow um we certainly were mostly successful through it um it was fine it was not something I would do for leisure right now if you have to travel it's not terrible um uh, but you know I mean it's kind of nuts so for me it would be only if absolutely necessary, which is how we classified this one. So anyway.
0: Okay. Now, Dave, I think you said feedback at com if uh, you would d- like to tell us about your travels or how you save your maps and stuff. Is that right? That's right. Feedback at MacGeekab.com. Yes, Mr. Okay. Braun. That's correct. Um,
1: I was I mentioned in the last episode having an issue when I was on LTE or or 4G, not on Wi-Fi really is is the right way to classify this on, you know, some sort of mobile cell signal where my Gmail wouldn't check and I had to do the reset capture thing. Well, I was having that problem like crazy last week. And finally yeah. I realized, oh, the issue is that I had not, I have an, an AG suite account that is not, that I basically only use for my email at all sort of it funnels into that. And, and that's where all of my email goes on that one account. And it really, truly is only that one. I had not turned on two factor authentication. And so I think it was that G suite was saying, well, you're logging in using your main G suite password. We don't like this unlock. You know, it was, it was forcing that reset of the captcha to happen far more frequently than was convenient. So, mid trip last week. I just like, this is stupid. It was one of those things where I like thought of it as I was drifting off to sleep and I was like, aha, that's the problem. So I got up and I fixed it and I did the whole, you know, I added the two factor authentication and then I created a one time or a, uh, an app specific password, I guess is what Google calls it and assigned that to my email and my phone so I could do it the way I wanted and all that stuff. And since then it's been a hundred percent fine. So that was the, um, that was yet another quick tip is use that two-factor authentication, not just because it's more secure, but because it services seem to re- require it um, on G suite though, John, I was get I was, I've been worried because G suite announced uh, maybe a little less than a year ago that they were heading down a path of restricting any of the app specific password things. hundred percent of their logins were going to be, required to use their OAuth or Google auth, whatever they call it, uh, thing, you know? Um, and I was like, well, I know that was supposed to start in June. And I thought of this after I did my, what I just described, like, wait, they said that in June I wasn't going to be able to add any more uh, app-specific passwords and that all the ones that I had added would expire like next June or something. Like, so what's going on? So I dug into it. Um, is once COVID, you know, lockdowns and all that started, Google put out an announcement saying they're not turning off app specific password things yet. They're, they're suspending that project, uh, just so they're not, so they're not uh, screwing with people during, you know, lockdown and all that stuff. So that, that is on hold. I imagine it will come back around, but uh, at the moment they have not deployed any of those changes, which is good. So thought that was good. Any thoughts on that? Nope. Okay. Um, while uh, speaking of traveling and using public Wi-Fi and all of that, Lewis has a quick tip for us. He says, on most all public Wi-Fi networks, you can avoid their blocks by changing the DNS server settings to something not default. Uh, The default DNS uses whatever the public Wi-Fi network has chosen to use. And then that's usually the router's internal DNS. And then that usually uh, includes all their content filtering. Like when you were at the Stop and Shop, John, using their Wi-Fi and you couldn't check your lottery results or whatever because it was gambling, they blocked that. If you go in and change, so you'd go into uh, uh, settings, network, Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi Configure DNS and and Lewis recommends using nine dot nine dot nine dot nine or one dot one dot one dot one or eight dot eight dot eight dot eight because they're easy to remember. So, one dot one dot one one is is Cloudflare, I believe. The nines, I can't remember what the nines. The eight. They Google. The eights, n- the, we, Google? It, the uh, eights Google. I think you're right, are Google, and the nines are. Oh, it was right on the tip of my tongue, and I can't remember. But yes, it, there's three different providers there. So yes. Maybe somebody in the chat room at live.macgab.com will tell us.
0: So next time they block me, rather than turning off Wi-Fi, which was my solution, right? Or turning on a VPN is another way to get around this problem. Yes. Um, yep. That's right. Or use LTE. Yes. <laughs> so both those those options work for me. Yeah. Not, not that it happens often. So.
1: Yeah. What is nine? Quad nine is. 9.9.9.9. And I think the eight. Well, yeah. Are well, nine dot nine. Well, that is four nines, but exactly. is that the name of the company. Yeah, that's the name of the oh. DNS. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: never heard of them. Okay. Yep. Well, thanks, guys. Yep. Yeah, and you're right. The eights are Google and the ones are Cloudflare. So uh Cloudflare DNS. I think. The one the ones are definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then you can use the the other one's uh, from cloudford.2 dot two and dot three. If you want to have um, adult filtering and malicious stuff too. So good. You could also use open DNS as oats says in our chat room as well. So yeah, all good. And where's that chat room again? Live.macdecap.com. I believe. Right. That's I think I've stand. got that set up. Yeah. So. so yeah, good. Uh, all right. Another quick tip from Corey, And Corey shares, as soon as I can find it here, I put a lot of stuff in the agenda today. Um, If you have a file highlighted in the finder and copy using command option C, it copies the full path to the file, which could be handy for say, pasting into a troubleshooting email answer, which I know a lot of us do. We certainly do it here, but I know y'all do it too. So when you're helping people out, if they need to find a file, just hit Command option C and the text of the file path is now on your clipboard to paste at your heart's desire. Thanks, Corey. That's good stuff.
0: Okay. And if you're in the finder and you click on the edit menu and you hold down the option key. ah, uh, yes. It will change from copy name of whatever to copy name of whatever as path name. I like it. Yeah, what I don't like is they still use these... After all these years, I, I should know, but... <laughs> when they use the icons, instead of saying, like, command or option or something... I don't know, pet peeve of mine. What right?
1: do you mean? Wait, wait, say that again? Well, like, they use the little,
0: you know, loop-de-loop means option, I think. And then the, the other one... It,
1: no, the loop-de-loop is command. The, the four clover oh, is command. command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the the the, the weird little like Z on its Speed, side with the dash. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just annoying.
1: Yeah. It's weird. It's one of those things. Once you get used to it, you know that that's what it is, but I'm with you. Yeah. It, it, when uh, the first time I saw the option one, I'm like, what is that?
0: But mean. evidently <laughs> what's that? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm yeah. with you. What does that mean? What does it mean? Yeah.
1: yeah. All right. All right. Uh, and then Ben uh, reminds us, that um, we were talking recently again about the classic layout and mail in Catalina and how that's changing yet again in Big Sur. But uh, he says, I have many who have resisted the modern layout because they couldn't embiggen the font of the message list in Catalina. And presumably later you can, uh, which is in uh, you can, which you can also do in iOS, but you can do it in mail, by going into mail preferences, fonts and colors. And when you select now, you can choose the, uh, the size of the font in Catalina in that mail view, which is handy. So yeah, good. 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 Yes. And yeah, Ben in, in the chat room says one day we'll relearn the origin of the command and option symbols. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, th- I do remember hearing their stories, but, um, I've they, they've been lost,
0: lost to time. Now, my friends, fun yeah. fun stuff. And while you're in changing fonts and stuff like that, yeah. you probably want to change the color of some of the things because I found uh, I forget which one comes out as like a bright aqua, which uh, doesn't work in a lot of setups. Mm, right? Yeah, that's you right. Do a reply or something like that. The, their choice of colors, I, I don't agree with. <laughs>
1: Okay. I think it depends on what you have as your system highlight color too. Maybe like, I think, Mm. I think they, they can either work together or against each other, depending on (laughs) how you have it uh, set up. Yeah. 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 So, right. Yes. All right. We have a ton of questions, lots of which that you prepped while I was away, which is awesome. I want to get to those, but Hey, no, it's great. I love it. We all love it. It's good. Uh, The first thing I want to do, though, is I want to tell you about our first two sponsors for this week, as long as that's okay by you, Mr. Braun. Outstanding. All right. You know, like all of you, we've had our cell phone plans with the big providers for years and just got used to paying those bills and all of that stuff and buying things we didn't need because that's just how it worked And then a couple of years ago when they came on as a sponsor and our, our next sponsor mint mobile taught us that we could cut our wireless bills down to just 15 bucks a month and save hundreds of dollars a year, maybe even thousands of dollars a year. If you spread it across a couple of phones just by switching to mint mobile. So for anybody out there who's looking to save without sacrificing service, Switching to Mint Mobile is a no-brainer. And we've tested this all over the place. In fact, I had a Mint Mobile phone with me uh, last week while I was traveling in Portland, Oregon and had no trouble with service uh, anywhere out there. It was fast, it was easy. And Mint really does it right because they went online only. So they save all those traditional costs of retail and they pass those savings along to you. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text plus crazy fast 4g lte and of course you can use your own phone and all of that stuff and mint mobile has you covered with their seven day money back guarantee so to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free go to mintmobile.com mgg that's mintmobile.com mgg so you can cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com mgg You know, whether you're working from home or working on your fitness or even traveling like I was last week, you know, we want what we're listening to to be what we're listening to, not what everyone else around us is listening to or doing. And for that reason, you need a great pair of earbuds that are A, wireless, and B, seal in your ears so that they can block out all of that sound. But before you go and drop hundreds of dollars on like AirPods Pro or something, check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. I find these way more comfortable than the AirPods Pro for me, and they sound fantastic. These Raycons are amazing. You folks know me, I'm picky about audio, and Raycon's newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds are fantastic. They've got six hours of playtime, the Bluetooth pairing was simple, plenty of low end, but good crisp high end. Like it's the, 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 the sound signature on these, they did a fantastic job and a very compact design. They're, you know, earbuds. So they, they're wireless earbuds. They fit just in your ear, super comfortable, comfortable, and I've used them for conference calls in addition to listening to music and, of course, podcasts. So you've got to go check this out. And now the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon because you can get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash MGG. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash MGG for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Again, buyraycon.com slash MGG.
0: Our thanks to Raycon for sponsoring this episode. All right, Dave. All right, John. Um, Craig has a head scratcher here, which I'm uniquely qualified to answer because I got one of these. <laughs> so Craig says, I decided to go ahead and purchase a 16 inch MacBook Pro from the refurb store. Outstanding. I wish I had faded. Um, I plan to use it for photo editing. Uh, good choice because it has uh, beefy graphics in there if you need it. Um, on the road and a few other things. I am, however, thinking about making this my only computer. I currently use a late 2015 iMac with the Retina 5K display. My camera is a very high resolution Nikon D850 and has a maximum resolution of, oh wow, 8256 by 5504 pixels. The question is, what is the maximum resolution monitor that the 16-inch MacBook Pro can drive externally from its Thunderbolt connector? Also, do you have a recommendation for a specific monitor? And the answer is, Dave. So, where do you get this information? There's a couple of places. So, one, you can go to Apple. And actually, for this machine, Dave, it's pretty straightforward. And I'm sure you can use the same formula. If you go to www.apple.com/slash MacBook-pro-16-specs, you will get the specification. This is also in Mac Tracker. And and that's actually where I found this. Um, But according to them, uh, it can support simultaneously full native resolution on the built-in display at millions and up to two displays with 6016 by 3384 or up to four displays with 4096 by 2304 so that's your answer so the most pixels you can get is 6016 by 3384. as far as which display dave uh i mean we could probably do a month's worth of shows on how to select a display. Yeah. And, I'm and we'd still
1: get interested. it. I'd still get it wrong. Certainly. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Because pros, I mean, you know, do calibration and, and there's a, there's all sorts of stuff, uh, but a good place to start, I think. And I love this monitor, Dave, uh, from our friends at Monoprice um, is their 27 inch crystal pro monitor. It's yep. 4k UHD 60 Hertz display HDR 400, which I guess is a good thing. So it does HDR. So for a photographer, I, w- I would think that's something you may want to check out. And I think you have a similar older model. David
1: I, I have like something. Specs. Yeah. I don't think mine has HDR to be perfectly honest, but the one that I have, I don't think is is available anymore. But yeah, in general, if you have very, very specific needs, then you might want to step up. To, to something that's got, you know, your color calibration and things like that. But but for those of us that are just kind of, you know, using our computers all day and want that extra screen, the Monoprice 27-inch screens are fantastic. I've, I've been blown away. I've got one here next to me in the studio. I've got one down in the office. Lisa uses one at the house and they're all basically the same model that that you're talking about here, John. I, I think again, I think yours is the newest of those. And I think it's still available that that that's still a current product from
0: Monoprix. Yeah. So yeah. And it's a it's an it, and it's an LG tube, and LG makes really good tubes. Mm-hmm. I have it both in this monitor and my TV is an LG TV, L C D TV, and I really like it. Mm. Also UHD. Um U- U- UHD for the- everybody that that um <sighs> Just so,
1: because in Apple calls it Retina, everybody else calls it UHD. And what this allows you to do is, it's it's the essentially it's it's 4K. It's whatever it is, thirty nine eighty by oh, which is essentially 4K. Um, Yeah, thirty eight forty by twenty one sixty, which lets you scale to a Retina esque higher pixel depth than the eye can see so that you get the the similar approximation to what you would get if you had Apple's 5k monitor, like an iMac or whatever of the same size of that 27 inch size. So I've got, I've got the monoprice UHD display next to my 27 inch iMac 5k display. And you know, windows are the same size text looks good in both places. Um, Yeah. So, there you go. I just wanted to make sure everybody understood.
0: UHD. UHD means 4K. In, 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 right. In this um, the thing is, in this case, Dave, the only caveat is that looking at the specs on this monitor, this monitor is 3840 by 2160, which is HD and 4K, right? Yes. But it's not the maximum resolution of that his machine can achieve, nor the maximum resolution of his camera, which is even higher. Is that a bad thing? Uh, uh, I guess my question is, uh, my observation is that you don't need a monitor with the maximum resolution to get something that looks good and is useful.
1: I I would say at the very
0: least get a 4K monitor. But because the, the thing is, as you start getting higher resolution, things get tinier and you may have to scale it. So... Well, and you kind of want to scale it. I mean, like Apple's default for the 5K
1: display is to do the to the display is 5120 by uh, whatever. And it scales to it's 5120 by 2880 is what Apple's 5K display is by default Mm -hmm. because of Apple's retinizing to get the pixel depth where you want it with the text size that you want it scales back to 2560 by 1440. That's the same resolution that I have my monoprice display scaled to so that it's it, they're both operating as though they're 2560 displays, meaning you get the doubling of the pixels and things look rich and, and retinized. So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Yeah, and looking here, so if I look in system information under graphics displays, Uh, when it looks at my monoprice monitor, it says, hey, by the way, the resolution of this is 5120 by 2880, which is the maximum resolution you can get out of a Mac mini built in graphics. That's wrong, though. That's not actually the resolution of your monitor. Well, no. And then the line below it, Dave, uh, here's the punchline is it says UI looks like 2560 by 1440, which is what I have at scale to.
1: But it's still lying it oh, because right. you're because your display can't do 5120 <laughs> your display does 3840 so the the this is where the mac is wrong it it knows obviously it's doing it but in system information it it gets this part wrong it because mine says the same thing it says that my external display is of 5120 and it's like yeah it's not it's 3840 but it is scaled mm-hmm. to 2560 and that's right. the part that matters yeah
0: yeah so it um the only other thing I would say, so my other monitor I actually got is a, uh, uh, is an Asus, uh, l- lower resolution, but it, it's still nice. Um, sure. and I actually got it as an open box special at, oh, nice. uh, Amazon. So especially for something you're going to be staring at all day, I would, I would make sure that the vendor has some sort of return policy. <laughs> yeah. Cause if you're going to be looking at this thing all day, especially if you're a professional, you don't want something you're going to hate. Right. And it can happen, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's what I got on that. Cool.
1: Excellent. Fun stuff. Um, Lauren brings up a question, John, that is, so Lauren says, uh, I'm going to describe the problem. Lauren's problem is happening potentially because of beta software, but I'm not convinced of that. Um, it says my, the display on my iPhone does not show a Wi-Fi connection icon only Verizon LTE, uh, Under settings, I have a good connection to my Wi-Fi router, but my phone keeps telling me it's not connected to Wi-Fi. I can still download music, podcasts, and weather info, but I cannot browse podcasts or news. I can't play online games. Google Docs, Mail, and Safari seem to be unaffected, but they're slow. I've tried connecting to alternate access points in the house. I've tried resetting the phone multiple times. I have tried turning cellular data off and on. My phone still insists... It is not connected to the Wi-Fi router shown to be connected in settings and sitting just six feet away. None of my other devices are affected. And this was when um Lauren was using the 13.6 public beta. So uh this is not the iOS 14 beta. This is just the the latest of the 13.6s. I have seen this problem on release versions of the iPhone OS, iOS. Uh Most of the time, this is solved by going to Settings, General, Reset, and then choose Reset Network Settings. It wipes out all of the networking stack of your phone. It will forget all of the Wi-Fi passwords of the networks to which you've connected in the past, but those are all synced via iCloud now. So once you connect to a network, cell, or Wi-Fi, it will do the iCloud syncing and pull down all of the rest and it it in the end it should be fine in terms of that but that reset network settings can solve a lot of funky issues for sure so i don't know if have you ever had to deal with that john
0: not really okay <laughs> that's fair <laughs> That's fair. I've had no, I was thinking back. I, I I think you mentioned on your travels where you were having LTE issues. And I have had that around town where
1: Yeah, so there's a different problem. Right. Where I've and I've seen this many times. I've seen it with different carriers when the phone is on it, you can go into with with GSM carriers, you can go into settings, cellular and turn LTE data on or off, and that will engage the LTE or the pseudo 5G thing, depending on what your carrier opts to display. I have many times, and I certainly experienced this last week, but but I've seen it, and I've seen it with at and I've seen it with Mint, I've seen it with T-Mobile and, and Sprint, and of course, Mint's a T-Mobile thing, so that's not surprising, where the phone has a rock-solid Appear, it appears to have a rock solid uh either LTE or you know 5G 5GE connection and not a lick of data will pass not even one bit nothing and you go in you turn off LTE and it drops down to 4G on the connection and then boom everything's good to go again and uh I've seen this so I, in fact it was my daughter that taught me this years ago because I noticed her phone. I'm like, how come you're not on LTE? She's like, oh, LTE sucks. I'm like, what are you talking about? It sucks. It's like super fast. She's like, yeah, but it's not always good. She said, get, you know, she wants to constantly be messaging and doing all her things. And she's like, it just, you know, I can't get data across it. So I don't use LTE. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And uh, and she's not wrong. That is the solution in those things. Resetting network settings has not fixed that for me uh, in the mm. times that I've tried. Yeah. So I don't know what it is about the iPhone in those scenarios, but turning off LTE, um, turn it off and turn it on again does not necessarily fix that. Uh, I've done it where I've turned it off, gotten a signal on 4G and been like, okay, it just needed to reassociate with whatever the local LTE tower is. Great. I'll turn that back on. Mm -hmm. Nope. Like, yep. Now we're back to no data passing. So I don't know what it is, but something about that. So if anybody has any thoughts, let us know. But
0: yeah. Yeah. Now, recently I had, I don't know, uh, 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 on my MacBook Pro, I was surfing and I'm in a browser and I look up a page and it just sits there and the progress bar is like not making any progress. But all my other internet connected apps, like my Twitter client and stuff work and my email and all that. So so is this just on, this has nothing to do with,
1: with you're not tethered to your phone in this scenario. This is just truly on your home Wi-Fi, right? This is Wi-Fi.
0: Yeah. Okay. Huh. All right. Yeah. Every now and then. And sometimes logging out and logging in fixes it. Sometimes a restart fixes it. Interesting.
1: I, I want next time. It, it, so it happens routinely for you relatively routinely.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Kind of, though I, I don't know if. Uh, so I got a notification the other day. Eero updated their software. Okay, I'm wondering if that may have done something weird. You're either getting a connection or you're not.
1: Uh, if, in that standpoint,
0: right? I mean, like Eero's. Yeah, not so in gonna... this case, it was a very app-specific. So Safari right. and my other browsers were not getting anywhere, but my other internet apps were still appeared to be working. All right,
1: so, so let's troubleshoot this like we would anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I would look at is I'd go into Safari advanced and I'd go to proxies and I'd click change settings and I'd make sure that there was nothing here in terms of nothing checked and, uh, you know, no proxies installed. That would be my first thing that I would check because that can affect other system like Apple apps. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I would check. Uh, are you checking it now actively? Where was, this? Where was uh, this? Safari, preferences, advanced, and then at the bottom, oh, okay. proxies, change settings, and just make sure. Oh, yeah, look at that. All right. Right? And and really, you can get there by going to, it. really, that brings you to system Internet preferences. Internet also. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, system preferences, network, Yep, advanced, proxies, oh, I guess that's right. where that brings. So that'd be one place to check. And then mm-hmm. failing that, I would stay in system preferences, network, I wouldn't necessarily do this right now while we're recording, no. uh, but delete the Wi-Fi network from no. the list and then add a Wi-Fi network so that it's pulling yeah. in a fresh, you know, kind of like reset network settings on the phone, right? That's that's the same mm-hmm. thing that we do here. Is just wipe that out, and you can wipe out anything you want here in um, mm-hmm. in System Preferences Network. It doesn't delete the hardware from your computer. I know that sounds silly and, and trite to say, but it, like it's worth saying it that way so that we can all remember it's not deleting any hardware. It's just deleting the software path to the hardware and you can just add it by hitting the plus button. So delete ethernet, delete wifi. I do these things all the time. And, uh, and I've had that fix problems before too. So, yeah. So, uh, all right. Uh, you want to take us
0: to Anthony, my friend. I will take us to Anthony. Great. Anthony has many questions. Um, I think we're only going to answer one of them. Okay. Um, no, maybe we'll answer more. Who knows? But, um, Anthony asks, do you remember what app it was that lets you control the graphics card in a 16 inch MacBook Pro to improve battery life? I came across one of my searches, but I always use the heat coalition mentions first and foremost. So, um, the quick answer, um, is there are two of them, Dave? Okay. So the tried and true one um, that still works um, and it gives you basic functionality is called GFX card status at okay. gfx.io. So that one still works, but then somebody decided to come up with a new one and it's on GitHub and that's called G Switch. Okay. That's at github.com slash Cody Sharank, who I assume is the author slash G Switch. And I'm sure we'll link to both of those in the show notes. Um, The thing I like about G-Switch is, so one, it'll visually show you. At first, I didn't understand what it was telling me. So I'm running G-Switch now on my MacBook Pro. So one thing it shows is that it shows like a little gear in the menu bar. When you're using the discrete, which is the high power GPU, it'll put a little dot in the middle of the gear. So you know that that's happening. The other thing that it tells you, though, above GFX card status is it'll tell you um, the state in which the machine is in as far as what process is asking for better graphics. Because I actually had something happen the other day and I don't know why, but I noticed that my battery life was really terrible when I was off of power. And then I looked, and and the little dot in the middle of the gear was on. And I'm like, well, what the heck? And I look in the menu, and it's like Display D uh, is is telling your computer to do this. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not running anything that needs a high-powered graphics. So right. I forced it to use the integrated graphics. I'm like, cut this out, and and it got a lot better. The cool thing is that in the menu changed the status of the display d thing and it said i think the word was hungry and it's like so your computer is saying it really wants to use this high power graphics cpu but you overruled it so now it's it's kind of upset but everything still worked fine and the battery life was better and i think a reboot probably fixed that so i i I don't know It, it was yeah the display d so it's like a system daemon was, was for some stupid reason asking for the high power graphics when it didn't need to. Huh? Interesting. So that's the answer. So a G switch is, a uh, is what you need. Yeah. Um, the other thing he mentioned, he was like, Oh yeah, thanks for, uh, uh, thanks for a better touch tool and, uh, and the, uh, add on suggestion there. Oh yeah. Um, well, one additional thing in the add on, oh my gosh, what's the name of it? Uh, uh, golden circle or something. I don't know. Yeah. It'll come to me. Golden uh, chaos. But, uh, yes. I'm sorry. Golden chaos. So Wait, I'm running no, that too. No, it gives you a no, whole bunch no. of features. I'll find it. Yeah. Golden chaos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Very good. Um, one additional feature I didn't mention in my initial mini review, Dave, Dave, it has a clipboard manager. Really? I had to enable it. So it wasn't enabled. But if you click on it, if you touch it in the in the menu bar, it'll show you your history of clipboard things. And then you can scroll through them and select them and then copy them or delete them or whatever. So
1: it's like it's like so, you found someone who sliced bread. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the thing is, you keep telling me, well, you, you know, everybody's told me I need a clipboard manager. So yeah. now I got a clipboard manager. All right. Cool. To better touch tool.
1: Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. Now I'm curious to hear like you'll you'll find your like killer use case for it, and then suddenly the world will open up that that seems to be the experience that everybody goes through with uh with clipboard uh, managers
0: so one killer use case so far is that it'll remember so sometimes uh my password manager uh and I don't think it's unique to um uh lastpass but right. sometimes it just doesn't get it okay it just doesn't populate a form properly because either they change their code or uh, or maybe they have a bug. I don't sure. know. Sure. But The thing is, so sometimes I have to manually copy the password to my clipboard and then paste it. Okay. Yeah. And, well, if it's on the clipboard, then if I have to do that again, sometimes I can look in there and see the password in question and copy it again. That's good. So. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No, I, I'm, I'm a as you know, a big fan. I... Even just like things like prepping the podcast where I have to put it both in WordPress and in like Auphonic or or YouTube or Facebook or whatever. That I, like I want the title to be the same. I want the description to be the same. And I don't want to have to split back and forth and like copy the title, paste the title, copy the description. You know, I want to copy it all on one page and mm-hmm. move to the other page and just paste, paste, paste. And then go to like, you know, I go to Facebook and paste, paste, paste. And then I go to YouTube and paste, paste, paste. And I can just do it without worrying about what's the last thing I put on my clipboard. I just, you know, go through and, and it's good to go. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I like it. All right.
0: You want to take us to Andrew, my friend, Andrew, man, I'm on a roll here. Okay. So Andrew says, or writes, not long ago, I attempted to make a cash payment to a friend using Apple pay via iMessage. Unfortunately, I ended up sending it to his work phone and thus he did not receive it. We think, um, uh, so he says, so here's what he did. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so, uh, so here's the steps he went through. He said, one, I contacted my bank to let them know that the payment was an error sent to the wrong number and they filed it as a canceled transaction. Um, number two, Apple, uh, but he says, number two, Apple, however, saw it as an approved transaction. Number three, in my Apple Cash card, I now see a negative balance for the exact amount I tried to send to my friend. I cannot move it back to my checking account because it is a negative balance. Should I also contact Apple to have them reverse the charge from their end? I thought that as long as no one collected the money, it would automatically be returned to my Apple Cash. Was I incorrect? I will be contacting Apple. thought I would share this. Um... uh, So to be clear, Dave, uh, two transactions took place here. So one, so uh, Apple Cash is a card that you can put in your Apple wallet, and it's basically, it's a Discover debit card if you look at the details on it, Um, but they call it Apple Cash. So there are a few ways you can get money into this. One is if you have an Apple card, then the percentage of dough that you get when you spend something, depending on the category, gets put on a daily basis in your Apple Cash card if you want it to. I suppose you could have a credit or something as well. Um, the other thing is that you can, as far as I know, Dave, you can Apple Cash debit card to a checking account. Or maybe you can also link it to a savings account, but I, I have mine linked to a checking account. Okay. So, um, the benefit here is that if you want to put money onto the card, or take it off of the card, like if somebody sends you money, you have an account that can send and receive money uh, between your card. But here's the thing. I think he did two transactions and he actually confirmed this. So one, there was the transaction of the cash that he took out of a checking account into the Apple card, Apple cash card. Yeah. And then the second transaction was the money going from that to his friend. Right. Um, So it sounds like what happened is that the first one was averse. So he called his bank and they're like, okay, we'll cancel that. So they basically took the money back from the Apple Cash card. And that's why it was showing a negative balance, which I didn't even think you could do that with a debit card. (laughs) But apparently in this case, you can. So the second thing though, Dave, is that it sounds like for whatever stupid reason, the Apple transaction thought, It succeeded, which to me is really weird because I would think their protocol would have some sort of confirmation that, yes, the person I sent this message to uh, confirmed that they received the money or they're on an Apple device, because that's one of the other conditions. You can't, as far as I know, send cash using this mechanism to a non-Apple phone. That's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah.
1: No, but it's, and I I think everything you said is right. I've been through this with my, um, actually my son, I don't know, a year ago or maybe not even we sent him money, you know, Apple pay and he hadn't set it all up yet on, on his phone. And so it did get stuck in this same kind of limbo scenario that we're describing here. And you're totally right about this being two separate transactions. Um, and, and so it, it, it did eventually time out, but it took, I want to say a, a couple of weeks for like him not to have claimed it. So I think it gives people time to like get their stuff set up and all of that before it just bounces it back to you. And he didn't even know he had it. Like my my wife had paid him like an allowance or something. I don't know. And, and you know, it, it just it was there. He wasn't looking for it. So he didn't quite know to, that it was supposed to be there. And so eventually it bounced back and she's like, wait, why did you bounce this back to me? And he's like, I didn't do anything. And so, yes, it will. But it doesn't happen immediately. So if there's no if there's not an immediate confirmation, it still hangs there for a while. And yeah, and I think the reason separately from that, I think the reason for the negative balance was exactly what you said, like his bank stopped the transaction or reverse the transaction on the transfer to his Apple pay cash, but the balance out of that to his friend hadn't yet been returned. So it was sitting in this negative state, which, which is accurate in a, in a sense. So,
0: yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a weird one, man. Um, The final thing is that, so Apple does have an article called send and receive money with Apple pay. And there is a section there. So the one thing you can do, Dave, which he may have been able to do, though, I think, yeah, um, uh, he got back to us and said, yeah, just finally settled. But um, you can actually cancel a transaction. If you look in this article, they tell you how to do that. Okay. So if you realize, whoops, I didn't mean to send that money, uh, they give you a window where you can cancel the transaction Uh and then it's like it never happened. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Oh, that's good to know. Okay, cool.
1: All right, Uh, what do we got here? You want to take us to Paul?
0: Oh, boy, yeah. I'm going to take a breather here. Um, All (laughs) right, Paul. Ah, yes, this was a good one. I like this one. Okay. Um, Paul says, um, long-time listener and first-time query maker. My goodness. Uh, I'm a print production artist, a dying breed. Sorry. <laughs> Working with creatives since 1995, I recently cleaned out the garage and even got to the boxes that never got open on the last move. and Inside were a ton of old archives burned to optical discs, CDs, and DVDs. Every disc from 2001 and earlier would not mount and return the error. Could not mount. Disc name center Error 49153. Oh, that helps. Um. <laughs> A little search showed me that these discs were most likely formatted as HFS or HFS Plus, and as such were phased out back in the leopard days. I can see the the contents written on the paper sleeves, (laughs) and there are a lot of files in there I really want. I have an iMac and a 15-inch MacBook Pro, both fully up to date with the latest build of everything that's not beta, so Catalina 10.15.6. I would dearly like to find some options for mounting and copying all of these disks as directories. I can't mount any of them, so I, though I can see them. All right, Dave, I had to get the whip out the Google Foo here. What'd you and find? And I was successful. Yeah? <laughs> I was so happy I found this, and it's relatively new. Um, so this is Catalina, or pretty much Dave, I think anything past Leopard doesn't understand HFS. HFS was oh. one of Apple's earlier file systems, hierarchical file system. Not HFS Plus, but Correct. HFS. Correct. Uh, yeah, that's old. Wow. Because at first I was like, you know what, let me try this. So I have a um, uh, um, an external DVD, CD DVD drive. And so I, I pulled some of my uh, old disks and decided to load them up in there and see what Catalina thought about them. And it said, oh yeah, uh, it's Mac OS Extended, which... Mac OS Extended is the same as HFS Plus. Plus, right? that, that's the extended part, I think, right? Or maybe. Yes, yeah, okay. so I'm like, okay, well, Catalina, uh, so the, the problem is not with HFS Plus in this case. So right. I'm going to say that the problem here is that these disks are so old, they are using the older HFS. Right. So I guess you could either go back to Leopard <laughs> and run an emulation. I suppose that would work. Um, but maybe you can find a utility um, that would let you do this, Dave. And you know what? I found an article titled Recover Data from an HFS Volume When Disutility Fails with a could not mount App." the exact same message they nice. got, including the very useful 49153 error
1: code. Somebody, Somebody um, engineered their page for search engine optimization and thank goodness they did. So
0: that's good. <laughs> That's great, um, and we'll link to the article. It's a uh, it's a uh, at a uh, at a user dot ch. Okay. Okay. Cool. Oh, did I
1: lose you, John? I think I lost him. This is not good. We'll see if he comes back. Huh. Uh oh. Hang on. All right, you said that you found something. Uh tell us what you found.
0: All right. So I found an article um and the 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 title convinced me it was the right place, okay? To be because uh it's Swiss Mac user. It's called recover data from HFS volume when disutility fails with they could not mount blah 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 49153. Okay, that's the exact same message he got. So how do you solve the problem? And uh he gave us two options here. Um, one for HFS plus and one for HFS. So, uh, but scrolling down a bit here, basically here's the solution. Dave is you have to go to a package manager, whether it's, um, um, homebrew or, uh, cakewalk is the thing I like to use, which has okay. a GUI and all that fun stuff. Okay. No, cake, cakewalk is audio software. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's, a uh, the uh, uh, cake brew. Maybe it'll come to me. Cake brew, yes. Okay, very good. good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's something called HFSutils in all of the latest package managers. And once you install HFSutils, you will get several additional commands from the terminal, sadly, um, uh, that will let you mount HFS volumes and otherwise deal with them and uh, I believe also copy data off of them. So cool. that's the... That's the best answer because he actually, in the article, refers to Catalina. Mm. So confirm that this works under Catalina. There's another option, Dave. So there's something called OS 10 Fuse. Okay. Um, Fuse is a platform that lets you um, deal with other file systems. Uh, and it's in the past been bundled with other, uh, and I think even Carbon Copy Cloner at one point actually used it. Oh, or we'd give you more information. It would show you, oh yeah, I see this volume and I'm using Fuse and here, here's the format of it. Um, I found another article called uh, referring to a plugin for OS X Fuse called Fuse HFS. Though it's an older article, if you can get it to work, then the benefit is that you should be able to do it from the finder instead of having to fiddle with the terminal. Okay. But since it's older, I don't know if it'll work. Right. So you want to try it first and see how far you get. And if you don't, then, you know, oh, the suffer other in the terminal.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I will We'll put links to both of those in the show notes so you can experiment. But yeah, you're right. From it being six years old, that might, six-year-old mm-hmm. beta software. I, I don't have high hopes, but you never know. Like, I mean, it, if the libraries are there, then it'll work. And if not, it won't work. Mm-hmm. So cool. Well, that's a fun little find, my friend. You want to do one more? You want to take us to Brian? You want me
0: to take us to uh, David? Uh, uh, no, I want to do Brian because okay. yeah, I had to. Uh, I had to do some research here. So cool. um, Brian has a problem. and um, Let's see. Maybe I can. Uh, so we said, "I'll well, keep it as brief as possible." But let me see if I can. You know, I could really make this really brief, Dave. Go. <laughs> let me give it a go, and you tell me if I'm missing anything. Okay. So, um, uh, so Brian's a teacher. Uh, his students send him homework. They send him his homework, uh, and he's uh, using Mac Mail on Canalita, um, and they'll send him a, uh, attachments uh, for homework. Um, here's the problem, Dave, and I've never really noticed this before, but I guess in his case he does, um, is that mail, if the name of an attachment gets too big, it'll truncate it. Right. So, for it, example... Yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. Yep. In the, so, l- let's say he gets sent... John Smith, June 8th, homework at- assignment, and John Smith, June 15th, homework assignment. What Apple Mail and other programs, which we'll talk about in a moment, will do is they will not display the entire file name and they'll put a dot, dot, dot and emit a large part of it. And in this case, for example, the June 8th and June 15th is probably the most important part, which it emits. Only because it's in the middle, right? So it displays the beginning and the end. Right. Got it. Okay. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And then yeah. it shows a dot, dot, dot. Okay. So, so that sucks because then he doesn't know which assignment <laughs> is which. Right. So how do you, how do you figure this out? Um, and there are two ways, Dave. So I found an additional way. So he found one way, which is actually another way. But so what he does is if, if you highlight something and you hit the spacebar, Dave, that's actually doing a quick look on the file. The thing is, the quick look window at the very top will show the full name of the file. I like why it; it shows it there, but not in mail. I don't know. Sure, me—that's kind of a UX uh, uh, fail.
1: <laughs> well, they have to limit. Um, I mean, they—they they couldn't just
0: show the full length of
1: the file. Like, they have to pick a maximum length, otherwise, you could like—do well, they? But do they? Maybe I mean, not. Why not show the whole thing. Yeah, maybe not
0: yeah you might be somebody made a that. decision that correct. we're only going to show this many characters, otherwise we're going to show dot dot dot. yep, you know that yeah, maybe it why. wasn't maybe it wasn't a necessary decision. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you could also highlight the file or files, which I tried, and then sh- do a right click and you'll get quick look. Well, I found that sometimes if you're doing that with multiple files, it will also truncate them. But in this case, since you have a window, you can make the window a little bigger and display the entire file name of each one and then use, I think, the arrow keys to go back and forth. So that's another option. But here's the third option, Dave. Uh, We all love tooltips, right? Or I call them tooltips. But in general, most operating systems, if you take your cursor and you hover it over something, if you wait for a moment or two... It'll yeah. give you either some context, like, oh, yeah, this control is to do this because I made a bad choice for the icon and you don't understand it. Or, <laughs> in this case, Dave, um, in mail, if you hover your cursor over an attachment and wait a few moments, it'll show you the entire name of the file. So. how yeah, just... just- Patience, right? I mean, it only takes a second or two for the tooltip to show up, right? Yeah. Now, what aggravated me, so I'll call it a tooltip. Uh, what aggravated me is, well, couldn't we make this a little quicker? Because it's like two to three seconds, at least on the system I tried it on. Okay. You want to do that if you have like 100 files. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's like 300 seconds, right? Uh, yeah. That's a lot of time. It's five um, minutes is what that is. I thought... <laughs> Well,
1: I just happen to know I uh, I don't yeah. know why I think about it. I I mean I yeah. Yeah, anyway. I guess it's because well, of the Well, you're
0: a that, musician. You you it's the
1: no, it's time, the right? the programming for things <laughs> that I, I know that okay, I want to do this for you know, I wanna uh, mm-hmm. schedule this to happen every thirty six hundred seconds because I want it to be in an hour or whatever, right? And I just learned to think that way. So, you know, I don't know. It's crazy, but it's crazy. So you want a day? 86,400 seconds. I I mean it's mm-hmm. just how it is. Anyway,
0: yeah, the, I've, I've the derailed only, Yeah, the only thing that disappointed... So I did find some... So I, I was wondering if you could shorten this time, and I did find some articles saying, oh, well, you can change the tooltip timeout. But okay. whatever the delay is in this case is not the tooltip timeout because I applied the tip and it still took like two to three seconds. Oh, interesting. So. Huh. Yeah,
1: I would be concerned of shortening the tooltip timeout say that 10 times fast because uh it like if it gets too short, you're going to drive yourself crazy. You know, you bring your mouse somewhere and you're about to click and it's like, Hey, right. tool tip time. It's like, no, no chill for a little bit. So yeah, I can see there being a, you need to have a little balance there. So yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, all right. So we also asked, are there other male clients? So I tried spark. Okay. And the weird thing is that so I I use Spark and I use my uh, iCloud email for um sure uh a test um and the email that I sent myself these uh, two test files with huge names yep also showed up with dot 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 in them
1: that doesn't surprise so like, me because I now, think Spark would
0: also be using webkit right? is that what you found r- yeah my, my suspicion is that whatever API webkit in this yep. case is handling the display of attachments is is they're using the same one that apple mail does yeah i wonder if thunderbird because thunderbird doesn't use
1: webkit in that way like it's and and that's not necessarily always a good thing but It is a thing. So I wonder if using Thunderbird would be the answer here, because maybe, maybe, because I know it displays attachments differently. It displays them as lines. So maybe it displays the full Mm. file name or at least more of the file name and that would solve it. I don't
0: know. The other weird thing is that when I, when I ran Spark, I hadn't run it a while. So I ran it on Mac OS. I think it's also available for iOS and probably other platforms. Yep. All of a sudden iCloud gets all in my face and it's like, "Oh, well you got to do an app specific password for this dude." Right? I had never run into this before. This is the first time I have ever been asked to provide a app specific. Yeah, password. because because
1: iCloud mandates OAuth with two-factor authentication and but mm-hmm. I, OAuth is the wrong term specifically in this case because it is not open. The only company that has access to using Apple's OAuth is Apple. So Spark Mm -hmm. could not, no mail client can use Apple's secure authentication. You have to use insecure authentication. It's the weirdest thing. Like we talked at the beginning of the show about how Gmail, you know, can Apple's mail client can use Gmail's OAuth. In fact, that's what Mm -hmm. they prefer you to do. It just lacks some features when you do it. And that's an Apple thing, not a Gmail thing. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it's weird that Apple won't allow Third parties to use, they just haven't built an API to, to do it. Um, and I like, yeah, I mean,
0: I had to do it once. So yeah, you know, I got I got a thing from Apple, and they're like, yeah, here's the one time password. And then Spark was like, yeah, here, provide this one time password that Apple just gave you. Yeah, somewhere I, else, and and then I was able to use Spark with my
1: uh, uh, iCloud. A piece of advice about those one time passwords, whether they come from Apple or Google or whatever. Uh, Yeah, I pasted it somewhere else. Yeah, save it somewhere (laughs) else. I know that's not the most secure thing, but I put them right in 1Password because 1Password has everything you need to get into my accounts anyway. It might as well Mm -hmm. have my, my, you know, uh, one-time, not one-time use, um, app-specific passwords. Yeah, so, yeah, Mm -hmm. there you go. All right, all right, fun all right uh i we have a bunch of stuff about home automation and maybe some networking stuff to get to, so I want to do that uh the next thing I want to do though is talk about our next two sponsors if that's okay by you mr.
0: Mr. Braun. fantastic,
1: all right, you know this new normal of virtual distanced education, online education. It's something that many of us are considering. You know, I've got two kids in college now, one just fresh out of high school. Uh, Many of you have kids in, in high school or even, you know, grade school below that. And the thing is this virtual learning thing isn't entirely new. It's new perhaps for your school, for your kid's school and for my kid's schools. But there are people that have been doing this for a while and that's why I was really happy to find out and learn about and start to use a varsity tutors because varsity tutors delivers free live enrichment classes taught by experts that make learning fun. And they understand how to do this online distance because that's what they do. They've always done this, right? So this is going to allow your kids and even you, quite frankly, to dig in and learned some new things, some different things, you know, you can learn all about, I mean, they've got things like intro to filmmaking and how planes fly and hands on home science labs, right? Things that they've figured out how to do remotely because they've been doing this for a while, but they've also got one-to-one tutoring in over 3000 subjects from top experts across the country. I looked, I happened to look my son is just starting as a computer science major so I was like all right you know what do you got and the first one that came up was this woman who's a recent Dartmouth grad of in computer science of course and it was like oh wait a minute this is cool this is the type of person that you would want to you know help you through sort of the sort of those rough spots with your courses You've got to check it out. So to reserve your spot in a free class, go to VarsityTutors.com MGG. That's VarsityTutors.com MGG. So you can give your child the confidence and keys to success today at VarsityTutors.com MGG. Our thanks to Varsity Tutors for sponsoring this episode. Summer isn't quite over and fall is about to begin. These are seasons where we can chill out a little bit, maybe even relax on the couch a little bit. and. You're gonna want a comfortable couch that's easy to set up and practical and versatile, and that's where our next sponsor comes in. Burrow at burrow.com/mgg. You get seventy five dollars off your Burrow purchase for these fantastic couches. It, this these things are so cool. You can go and customize. We're geeks, right? So we like to be able to have control and tweak things. Well. At Burrow.com slash MGG, you can find over 23,000 ways to customize your perfect sofa. They've got built-in USB chargers so your phone doesn't die while you lounge. Durable fabric that's naturally scratch and stain resistant. You can pick your fabric color, of course, leg finish, armrest style, and length. I keep saying fabric. They do, of course, have fabric couches. They also have leather couches. This is the kind of thing that we geeks love and super comfortable. Very cool. So as I said, get $75 off your Burrow purchase plus fast and free shipping at burrow.com slash MGG. Of course, check out the site for details. That's B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash MGG for $75 off. And our thanks to Burrow for sponsoring this episode. All right, John. As I said, we've got some questions about HomeKit. In fact, Jed perhaps has the
0: biggest. Okay, one thing though. Yeah. Follow up. Yeah. Chat room. Yeah. To follow up on the mail discussion, um, our friend Ben um, gave a fourth option. Ah, so okay. If if you look at the at an email in mail, there's a divider between the subject header and the contents of the mail. If you hover on that divider, you'll then get a little like mini menu bar that shows trash, back, uh, reply, reply to all, forward. And then a paperclip with the number of attachments. If you click on that, Dave, it shows you the name of the attachments.
1: Nice. Oh, that's awesome. No, no waiting. Yeah,
0: though, it doesn't look, And it has a save all option. So that may be what you want to do once you, it's just a save all. Interesting. (laughs) And deal with them outside of mail.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah. You just save them to the finder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Huh. Okay. But that's the fourth option. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. I like
1: it. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Moving on. All right. Yeah, moving on. No, this is good. I'm glad you uh, you you pulled us there. Okay, so Jed asks, um, he says, well, a few years ago, I asked a very leading question. Why even bother using Time Machine? He says, and you both answered it. And your answer actually made it clear to me that, honestly, I shouldn't. And his scenario, he says, it's not a good fit for me and offers no value. He says, so I'm asking another one. Why even bother using HomeKit? He says what value does it really offer that other apps or services uh, don't or don't do as well? Except, of course, he says the security and the well, it's there. I should try it and make it work, or if it works, fix uh, fix it until it's broke. And as as we would say here, yeah, of course, he says. But besides curiosity, do you consider HomeKit worth bothering with uh, with all the headaches that seem to come along with it? So good question, and I like that you challenge us on on Apple tech. No, it's good. Like we. We do the same thing here. We you know, just cuz it's Apple doesn't mean it's great. It has to be great and it has to be the best solution even if it's not great. It has to be the best solution. And you know, for for HomeKit there's definitely from our standpoint as hosts of Mac Geek Gab, there's definitely the it's there so we should try and make it work mentality so that we can answer your questions and have a working knowledge of this. So, there's definitely that. However, digging through that and making it work I've actually become more and I've warmed up more to HomeKit as of late, especially HomeKit secure video of all the, the platforms that try to homogenize and, you know, pull together all of our stuff. HomeKit secure video is is absolutely the, or HomeKit is the one that does this, you know, aggregating of video together the best, not every camera, just like every other HomeKit thing. It comes with the caveat. Not every camera system supports HomeKit secure video and some support HomeKit video, but not HomeKit secure video. The difference being that HomeKit secure video, the video is being recorded and stored securely by HomeKit so that you can look back and it's stored in your iCloud account, but it's encrypted and all that stuff. Whereas, and and that's true of like my, my Eufy cams, the, the ones from the anchor brand Eufy EUFY. Uh, it's not true with the Arlo cams that I currently use. I think there might be some coming that support HomeKit secure video, but, um, but the ones that I have work with HomeKit, but not HomeKit secure video, but it does do a good job of even aggregating those. And they're all in the same interface, even though some have the HomeKit, you know, stored video and some don't, but, um. HomeKit's not terrible. It's just the, the biggest limitation I have with HomeKit is that it just doesn't work with as many devices as everything else. And so that's why it's not my main driver. But I do find that of when I am going to do something smart home, if it is HomeKit compatible or if I have made it HomeKit compatible with something like Hoobs, which we talked about, or Homebridge, or things like that, which you can make pretty much everything you have HomeKit compatible that way. I use HomeKit because it's it's always right there. I can check things remotely very easily. Uh, you know, traveling last week was no problem to look at our cameras all in one place because they're they're HomeKit compatible. I, I was ignoring my Ring cameras last week. I mean, they were still there. I could use them, but they're not. Linked to HomeKit. So I wasn't bothering to check those. I have enough other cameras around. Didn't need to see the ring cameras. Didn't need to launch a separate app. It's nice to have it all in one. So no, HomeKit's not perfect, but none of them are. But being able to like tell HomeKit, I want to open my garage door by saying, you know, Hey S lady open garage door. That's cool. When I'm home or not home, it doesn't matter. And and even when I am home, like at night, a lot of times I'll come over here And many of you have noticed this. I prep Mac Geekab often, very, very late at night, often on Thursdays. And so I answer a lot of our questions then, not all of them, but, you know, a a lot get answered very late at night on Thursdays. And then I finish and have to walk across the driveway. Well, all the lights have turned off by that point, and I want to turn the driveway lights on. So I just say, hey, S-lady, turn the driveway lights on because my phone is in my hand and I'm standing in the driveway I could talk to a lady all day long and she ain't going to hear me because she's not there in the driveway with me. You know, so like for that, because I always have a device on me that can talk to HomeKit. I like that part of it's handy, even though it's I, I say it's not my primary device. That would definitely be a lady. It, and and I think that that that's true. You know, a lady yeah. is definitely, and I mean, my you can interface. run
0: the a lady app
1: on your phone and yeah, but that's a, do that, it that way. I could, but, but I don't have to, cause I can, I don't even have to wake up my phone. You know, yeah. I just say, turn on driveway lights and it happens. I can say it to my watch. Yeah. I can, it's ready mm-hmm. all the time. Whereas, yeah, right. you'd have to unlock and open and yeah, no, 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 no. So yeah, it like it's, it's a very for for us. It's a very capable second in command, but it but it does require some, running something like, you know, Homebridge or Hoobs or something like that to to get all of our devices or most of our devices into HomeKit so that we can have them in that one place. So yeah, I so does that answer your question, Jed? I don't know. Do you use? Have you homebridged yet, John?
0: No. So. I I I uh, so I have two devices that the home app can see, and that's my yeah. Apple TV and my Airport. Your Express and your Eero. Uh, well, I have HomeKit enabled on the Eero, but yep. uh, yeah, I mean, what okay. can I do with the Eero via home? But, uh, but I'm I'm not sure what. Oh, what if anything I can do that's useful? Oh, it it can
1: know about your smart home devices that way and do some sort of intelligent filtering. That's that's what HomeKit enabled routers do. Yeah, it's it, it, that's worth checking into. You may like what that does, and therefore you may find yourself. I I I would right. say this fall a good project for you. I'm going to do it here too, so we're we're both going to do this. Is to I mean I'm running Homebridge, but I want to move to. Either the new Homebridge with a with the graphical interface or Hoobs, which is also a graphical interface, we can mm-hmm. both install those in Docker containers on our Synologies, and um, I think that might make HomeKit a whole lot more useful for you. So I, I think that would be. I'm I making mean, I it an. I integrated
0: it with with Eero,
1: but then it's like now what? Right. Well, but you don't have your other devices in there. You need to get all your devices into HomeKit. And that's what home bridge or who's okay. is going to do for you. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. I want to so. spend the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Dude, you have all kinds. I like, I, I, <laughs> I don't understand this. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> now planning all of these things and that's truly one of them. It's like first or second on my, now that oh, I'm okay. an empty nester list, you know, but you're an mm-hmm. empty nest. like you, your nest is empty. So you, you have time. I would think to do this. Like it's, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 So we'll I both do put that it on the list. It's well, just everything. Uh, so my two platforms are the a lady and uh smart things hub. Sure. And everything works to my satisfaction or I use a standalone app. Some things I got to run their app. In order yeah, that's to a pain things. in the neck. That's but, why you want to tie them all together. That's, that's truly yeah. where Homebridge bridge. And, and for the most part, yeah. smart things sees most of my things. Well, that's good. That I want to, well almost all of them actually, yeah, so. yeah, no, I get it
1: yeah no it's, <laughs> you you check out homebridge it it'll be good i have a, yeah. I, I, I have in fact, I'll find it here because lawyer Jeff sent me a link not that long ago' this last
0: time I tried a docker thing it it didn't turn out well mm. oh, you just got to follow the instructions, so um lawyer jeff yeah found- but I, I I just want to download something and run it. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's kind of how Docker works. I mean, look, I'm putting a link in the show notes, hoobs on Synology with Docker. I have not gone through this yet, but I've looked at it and it's, Mm -hmm. it, lawyer Jeff sent it into us, uh, I don't know, about a month ago. And this is, this is the, the, the thing I plan to follow to get hoobs set up on my, on my Synology. So there you go. It's, it's in the show notes. We all have it. None of us have any excuses Mm. anymore. So... All right, um, two questions. Where are we on time? Yeah, we can take this smart thermostat stuff. So um, Mark asks uh, the following. He says, um, well, he's been having a problem with his nest thermostat." especially now that he's moved to a mesh Wi-Fi system. And I think his Orbi system is kind of fighting with his, his Nest. And we've talked about that part of it on the show before. And he says, again, today the Nest thermostat went offline after charging it. Now it's back online. We hadn't been using the air conditioner consistently over the past two weeks, so I wanted to wait to ensure I had a valid test. Any suggestions on an easy way to get power to the Nest so it doesn't go offline? Now, the Nest thermostat usually will... Do what it calls power stealing and take power from the uh, the 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 system, the loop of the system. Even if you don't have what's called a C wire, which is twenty four volts AC uh, feeding into the system, um, if you want to power your nest while it's on the wall, you can take it off the wall and plug a I think it's a USB C cable into it. Depending on which which model of the nest you have, but if you want to have it powered all the time, you would need a C-wire. And if your thermostat wiring doesn't include a C-wire, well, good news. You can buy one. Um, and we'll put a link in the show notes to one that I found on Amazon, but there are tons of them. It's like 13 bucks. It's a C-wire adapter, it plugs into your um your a wall outlet, and it's got a little transformer there, and then it's got a nice long 26 foot eight-meter cable. And you plug it right in and you are good to go. So uh, getting a C wire adapter is the key. The one thing I will point out here. And the reason I haven't done this particular thing in my home is when my power goes out, oftentimes the way I have my generator wired up, the outlets within proximity to my thermostats do not get power. And so I don't want to have a system where I turn on my generator and get power to my boiler, but not have power to the thermostat that's going to make the boiler run. So that's the reason that I've sort of standardized on things that can be run from power from the boiler. I have a couple of zones in the house. My house is weird. It might, actually, my guess is most people's houses are like this if there's ever been expansions or anything, but I've got a couple of, uh, zones in the house where there is that extra C wire or an extra wire that I could wire up as the C wire. And that's great. And then in other cases, I just let it do the power stealing and, and, um, and that's been fine. So that's why I have to use nest in some places and eco in others. I would prefer to use eco everywhere, but nest is the only one that does power stealing. So that's what I'm, uh, that's what I'm stuck with. So you can buy a, a C wire. Anything you know, I'm gonna go through Steve's thing here and then and then we'll talk about it, John, because it's really two of the same question. Um, Steven says he was having some issues about Nest having a, a wiring fault. Um, one of the things that it was listed was that you know it might not be enough power, and uh, he said, uh, the it, uh, as the initial nest issue had been that the available wired voltage supplied to it had been inadequate to overcome the energy it expensed on Wi-Fi. Uh, I had already learned that the addition of a fifth wire from the furnace to the nest, a C wire could provide the needed juice to resolve that issue. I determined to run a new five wire bundle from the furnace to the nest. Long story, slightly less long. It solved both of my issues. So really what this is, is if you are doing any sort of construction in your home and the walls are open, always add Ethernet. That's one rule. Rule number two, run in in Steve. Steve says five wires. That's fine. Run certainly more than two from your thermos, from your furnace to the thermostat so that you can do this C wire thing. If I had three wires in my house, I'd be in great shape. Um, but five would be even better because then you have more options for various different things. If you've got a fan and, and those sorts of things that you would need, so it's a pain in the neck to run thermostat wires through the house. We're we're going to get a new boiler here this fall, and I plan to ask them if they can snake, you know, extra wires. But I I know what the answer is going to be. It's either going to be no, or it's way more expensive than you want to pay for, sir. But, um, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, because I'd hate to not ask it and find out at the end, like, Oh, you should have said something. It'd have been 10
0: minutes. Like, Oh yeah. 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I want 10 minutes. Thoughts on that, Mr. Braun? Yeah. My solution to that problem was I found a battery operated smart thermostat.
1: That's right. You're using thermostat. You can't do that with a Wi-Fi thermostat, but you're using Bluetooth thermostats or Z wave thermostats,
0: right? Z wave. Yeah. Yeah. Go control. Right. Yeah. One day, I did, yeah, I went to a Z Wave has a site, and I'm like, "Yeah, you got any battery powered uh, thermostats?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, check out these uh, Go Control dies. Go C- Control. Interesting. Dies. And sure enough, they run on batteries, and um, yeah, they they can last uh, a year or more. <sighs> that's awesome. On a set of four four double A's. Yeah. So uh, that's the other solution. That it, that's a good solution,
1: and that will link. I mean, to your I could run this hub, right?
0: Yes. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I could. I could get a c wire, but you know, I'd either have to bang a hole in the wall so it's not ugly, or run an ugly wire, and I, I don't want to do that.
1: So. Right. Right. That's the problem. Yeah, it's a pain in the neck running that stuff through the house, snaking all those. So,
0: but yeah. there are battery powered smart home devices, thermostats, and otherwise. Yep. So that's that's always another. That's the way to go. Way to go. I like it. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put a link
1: to that one. That one's now $93 on Amazon for the Go Control Z-Wave thermostat. So,
0: it's weird because I think this is more uh, when I went shopping for this, there's not like a Go Control store. I think it's more an industrial product and they sell it to like contractors and I met with them at CES and I think they kind of confirmed that, but yep. every now and then somebody'll have some extras and they're like, "Yeah." Oh, uh-huh, interesting. Interesting, but um, but yeah, it. I mean, it does what I need. It. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I can ask. Uh, you know that they have a plug-in and uh, or or I guess it does it through the uh, smart things. But you know, I can ask what the temperature is in sure. whatever I name the zone. It'll be like, oh yeah, here's the temperature, and I'm like, well, can you set the temperature? It's like, yeah, sure, no problem. So it's a, huh,
1: yeah, it's that's great. great. That's great, man. Yeah, no, that's a good solution. Cool. All right. Well, that's uh that's what we got, my friend. That's that's all we've got time for this week. Uh. Ah. But we'll get to more cuz we'll do this again next week. How's that sound? Every week, in fact. No? Sure. Yeah. Good. Cool. Uh, thanks so much for listening, folks. Thanks for sending in all your questions. Thanks for visiting all of our sponsors. As we always say, with our sponsors, you uh, have no obligation to buy from them. It is our job to get you to visit, and then you make your decision between. Uh, yeah, that's between you and them. Whether you want to buy, if it's the right thing, but we sure we'd like you to visit the sponsors and and you know learn more about them there. That would that's the that's the key. That's why I mentioned the URLs in the beginning of the show, all of that good stuff. So. Thank you for all of that. Thank you for all your reviews. We have some reviews to talk through. We will do that next week. And of course, thanks for your premium contributions. We'll talk through and thank all of you who have come in recently next week as well. That's what I got. You got anything to uh, to add there, John, before we're out of here?
0: Um, we told you how to email us. We can also tell you how to Twitter us. I'm John Efron. He's Dave Hamilton. There's also Mac Gab, Mac Observer. Oh, and Pilot Pete. Pilot Pete, but, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Twitter. You know, there's all sorts of things happening there. Cool. All right.
1: We'll see you on Twitter. We'll see you here. Well, You know, subscribe. MacEcab.com if you're not already subscribed. And, uh... That's going to do it. Thanks so much. As I said to our uh, sponsors in the show, mintmobile.com slash MGG, buyraycon.com slash MGG, burrow.com slash MGG, varsitytutors.com slash MGG. Of course, you can learn about all our sponsors at mackycab.com slash sponsors. See you next week. Be safe out there, folks. If if you're going to travel, do like I think I did and don't get caught.
0: Maynard.